0: And You have your Bibles turned to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. We're in our fourth lesson on a series that we've entitled, Rebuilding Walls, Finding Your Place. Now what I mean by that is each and every one of us who are a part of Fairview Baptist Church, God has a place and God has a purpose for you within this church. And, and you have to find that place. You have to find that purpose. Listen. God didn't give you the spiritual gifts that he has given you just to show up, you know, to church and then go on and do your own thing throughout the week. God has a plan. God has a purpose. You and me, we all need to find our place on the wall, and that's what we're going to see as we go through this series. I want to talk to you this morning on the price of leadership, the price of of leadership you know many people want the position of the leadership but they don't want the responsibility and they don't want to have to uh, pay the price that one must pay to be in a leadership role now it's costly to be used of God let me throw that out there right quick it is costly to be used of God because once we're being used of God, we're right out there on the front lines where many times it can be lonely. John Maxwell says it's lonely at the top. And it is lonely at the top many times because there's always those that if you're in a leadership position, there's always there those who are wanting to take shots at you simply because you're doing the will of God. Now you you say, well, why would someone take a shot at you because you're doing the will of God? Because Satan won't want you doing the will of God. If you're on the front lines, you are going to be shot at, trust me. The thing many don't realize is God is calling the entire church to servant leadership. You know, sometimes people want to say, well, that's, the, that's just for the pastor, you know, leadership. Or that's just for the Sunday school teachers. That's just for the uh, children's workers or whatever. But that's not the case. Every church member is being called of God for servant leadership. There's a place, there's a responsibility, and there's an accountability for every church member, not just the pastor uh, exercising their spiritual gifts. Now, whether it's a place of leadership up front or rather it's a place of leadership behind the scenes, God has called Christians to lead his or her family. Look, if you're the head of a household, if you're you're a mother or you're a father, you know, God has called you to lead your children. And I tell you what, uh, you're looking at some children today, there's some pretty poor leaders in our homes. No offense to anyone in here. Of course, no one in here fits that role, okay? But look here, if you don't believe that, try substitute teaching uh, one day. And you'll see that our children have no manners. They have no respect for adults. They have no respect for authority. And why? Because they're not being taught that in the homes anymore. Look here. If you have a family, God has called you to lead that family. And it, it, rather it's a Sunday school class that you're teaching or a ministry that you're heading up in a manner, you know, we're to do that in a manner that's going to please God. Look, when the call of leadership came or with the call of leadership, also comes a price of leadership and there is a cost for that. You know, when Nehemiah heard that the walls in Jerusalem were down, let's not forget, he was some thousand miles away when word got to him that the walls of Jerusalem was uh, down. You know, he didn't say, well, I'll pray about my brothers over there. No, what did he do? He sat down and he prayed this, God, I don't know what I can do or wh- what can be done, but I'm available if you call me, and if you call me and send me, I'll go and I'll do whatever you ask. Folks, that's the heart of a leader. That's the heart of a leader. Look, could you have prayed a prayer like that? Now stop and think about this. Not knowing what the price would be, could you pray a prayer? I don't care what it is, Lord. You send me, I'll do it. I'm I'm here for you. I'm available to you without even knowing the price, with not even knowing what it was going to cost, but just say, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. Let's, let's, take a look at the price of leadership and what it involves. First of all, when you talk about leadership, and if you are going to be a good and successful leader, you've got to spend some time in isolation with God. Let's look at verse 13. Here's what we see about Nehemiah when when the the spirit moved him that something needed to be done. Again, he didn't just say, well, let me pray about it, and let me just, uh, hopefully God will send somebody. Here's what he prayed. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and the dung port. Now he's he's there, he's done left, you know where he was, he's done come to Jerusalem. He said, and I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, But there was no place for the beast that I was under to pass. In other words, it was just rubble, folks. It was just rubble. The the, the beast that he was on, he said, couldn't even get through it. Verse 15. Then I went up by night to the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not where I went. Nobody knew where he went. Okay, he didn't announce, hey guys, I'm going to go get in the presence of God. I, you know, I'm going to go view this stuff. He says, no one knew where I went or what I did. Neither had I as of yet told it to the Jews, nor the priests, nor the nobles, nor the rulers, nor the rest that did work. Look at here. I want you to take a look at the word probe there, or or viewed, should I say. The word viewed there in this phrase, you know, has the meaning to probe, to probe. So when he says, I went up there and I viewed all of this, the Hebrew word there simply means to probe. Now in the medical field, doctors perform what they call local wound management. Okay, which helps to reduce the surgical site infection you know, in contaminated wombs with less uh, post operative pain and shorter hospital t- stays. And what they do is, you know, they take like a Q tip or, you know, some other instrument here and, and they begin to perform form, uh, you know, dig in that wound and move that wound and, and, and look in that wound. They assess that wound to see what, the, the, to determine the extent of the wound, to determine its death and, and, and any hidden channels that might be in there that, that may be restricting the blood flow so this thing can't heal the way that it should. They probe into that. And the findings during this local wound in, uh, management here can help them to determine the appropriate treatment That is going to be needed for that patient. For optimus healing. In order for it to heal better. And folks that's what Nehemiah is saying. That he did here. He he went in there. And he probed the situation. He took a big cue stick. uh, Tip if you please. And he began to move. And he began to look. And he began to observe. And he began to look and see. What is it going to take to get all of this. Back the way God desires it to be. He probed the situation, in order to determine the extent of the damage, the depth of the destruction, and the time that it would take to finish the job. Now, the next thing we see here, he, he, he was gathering the facts, but also he was doing it before the Lord at night all alone. He didn't take a bunch of people with him, just him and God. Silently, alone with God, he walked through the scene, he probed the scene, and he allowed God to speak to his heart. Look, time alone with God, folks, is worth more, and it's more beneficial than time we seek with others asking their opinion. Look at here, it's okay to get the opinion of others, but folks, what matters is the time we spend with God and allowing God to to help probe the situation and lead us through that look leaders must pay the price in separation and isolation before ever going public and that's what he said he did here i went there i spent time with god i probed the situation nobody knew where i was none of the workers none of the priests nobody because i wanted to you know take a look at the situation and allow god to show me what needed to be done here Look, this means isolating yourself with God for however long it takes to receive the answer. If you remember last week, we looked at how Nehemiah spent four months, four months weeping and mourning and fasting and he prayed. But when he rose up, you know, from that time with God, from his time of separation, from his time of isolation, there was no doubt in his mind what God wanted him to do. Look, if you want to know for sure what God wants you to do, you better spend time with God. You better spend time with God. Look, time spent in separation and isolation with God is never wasted time. Never. Look, when was the last time that you were so serious about making a tough decision in your life that you was willing to, God forbid, separate yourself from the TV? Or God forbid that you was willing to separate yourself from that phone. You know, some people can't live without that phone. You know? But when was the last time you was willing to lay the phone aside, cut it off so you can't even hear it ring, and, 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 and spend that time with God? When was the last time? When was the last time that, that you would you'd cut your Internet off just to spend time with God? We got one running loose here. Mom, I think that's one of yours. He's waving at everybody, so he's, he's not throwing rocks at nobody, so I guess that's good. But when was the last time? When was the last time you were willing to cut off that TV, cut off that phone, unplug the Internet, and just spend that time seeking God in His will? When was the last time? You know, for most of us, if we would be honest, it was too long ago. It was too long ago. You look. Know, Any real leader spends far more time in a place of humility than they do a place of honor. Let me say that again. Any real leader, they spend more time in a place of humility, that is a place, a, a time with God, separated, isolated with God, than they do in a place of honor. Look, if you have a place of leadership, and all Christians do, okay, listen to me, All Christians do. Get this thing, leadership, out of your mind about it's just the pastor. No. All Christians do in one way or another, whether it's being a parent, whether it's being a grandparent, whether it's teaching young people, teaching adults, or any other position of leadership that you can think of, you know, if you are not spending time with God, seeking God how to be that leader in your tip-top best, then you're not going to be successful. Look, a leader who is worth anything to God spends more time backstage than they do center stage. What do I mean by that? A leader who is worth anything spends more time with God than they do out front exercising What God has gifted them to do look if you fail to spend time with God backstage you're not going to be worth much center stage when you're there isolation is essential folks Chuck Swindoll in his book you know about you know Nehemiah the name of the book is hand me another brick it's a good good book if you've never read it but here's what Chuck Swindoll said most of us are pretty good at dressing up the outside of our lives okay You know, we live in perfectly decorated homes, uh, immaculate landscaped yards, polished status symbol cars, dressed for success clothes, sparkling teeth. But underneath, I don't miss this, underneath many of our manicured lives are withering souls. The polluting emphasis on empty externals and prayerless activity have produced a smog in our inner world. In unguarded moments, silence and solitude, we can almost feel the grime that covers our real self. Boy, isn't that true? You know, sometimes I put it like this. Many people within our churches, you know, the last thing they do when they leave their home, okay, to come to church, they get dressed with all their clothes. And the last thing they grab on their way out is their mask of Christianity. They grab that mask, they put it on, they come to church looking like everything is okay, like I'm a fine Christian and I'm good. Well, basically, that's what he's saying here. You can look the part, okay? But if you're not spending quality time with God, folks, if we're not separating and isolating ourselves before God, we're not going to be the leader God wants us to be. We're not going to be the parent that God wants us to be. We're not going to be the pastor God wants us to be. We're not going to be the Sunday school teacher God wants us to be. We're not going to be the deacon God wants us to be. We're not going to be the youth worker that God wants us to be. We're not going to be the children's worker that God wants us to be. We're just going to have that mask on and make everybody think we are something that we're not. Look, We've got to spend that time with God. Now, the next thing is identification. Let's look at this, verse 17 and 18. Then I said to them, now this is after he spent his time with God, after he has probed the scene, after he had moved everything, you know, back so he could see exactly what this was going to take and how long it would take. Then I said to them, okay, remember at first he said, nobody knew where I was, nobody knew what I was doing after he probed the situation, after he isolated himself and spent that time with God. Then I said, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of God, which was good upon me. Also the king's word that they had spoken unto me. And they said, now here's their response, you know, And, and it's important to understand this response. Because of the time that Nehemiah had spent with God, because of the time Nehemiah had isolated himself with God, because of the time Nehemiah took to probe the situation, then they said unto me, let us rise up and build. You see how that brought everyone together to come together and do it as a team? So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Look, after Nehemiah had had, had surveyed the ruins by night, then he then approached the people with communication and identification. Look, what's that mean? it's important to notice that he spent time with God in separation and isolation before ever going to the people with the job. Look, we must understand that a problem must be identified before action can be taken. Again, these principles apply to the family just like they do the church or your job or just whatever. Look, how can we seek to solve a a problem that's never been identified? If you don't identify there's a problem, how can you fix the problem? And so many people, you know, want to just turn their head and say, well, there is no problem when the problem is all about them. And that's the way it was with the Jews. The problem was everywhere. You remember the problem was so bad, he couldn't even ride his donkey through it because of all the rubble. Yet the people never saw the problem about them. Folks, you must identify there's a problem before the problem can ever be taken care of. Look, Nehemiah spent with, you know, his time with God, and God allowed him to see things as they were, not maybe as he would have perceived them from a thousand miles away. It's sad that in this day and time in which we live, you know, uh, you know, it has caused many, even Christian people, don't miss this, this day and time we live has called many, even Christian people, to not be able to identify that the walls of society has been destroyed around us. Many people, even Christians, don't realize where our society is today because they have closed their eyes to it. They're not willing to open it up and identify that there's a problem here. And how sad that we've allowed society to shape the way that we as children of God view sin. We have allowed society to, 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 to dictate the way that we view immorality around us. And because society has accepted same-sex marriage, it's politically incorrect to speak out against it. You know, And many who identify themselves as Christians, they keep their mouth shut and their head in the sand over that issue. But folks, if something's going to be done about the issue, we've got to identify it as a problem. You know, society has accepted the killing of more than 4,000 babies a day in the womb of their mothers. And many who identify with, as Christians, you know, have kept their mouths shut and their heads in the sand so as not to cause no problem. We're Christians. We can't cause problems. We're Christians. We can't speak out about this stuff. Tell that to the people in the, the day Jesus went in the temple and started kicking over tables and took a whip to them. Look here. And the newest thing, I, I, I got to throw this in because this, this is not really new. It's been going on for a couple of years now, and, and I really have voiced my opinion with a certain um, business here in town over this. But <laughs> even Target right here in Lufkin, in Lufkin, Texas, folks, and, and I don't want to offend any of you Target shoppers. You know, go... You can go to Target and shop. But listen, even Target right here in Lufkin are allowing men who happen to feel like a woman that day use the women's bathroom even if your daughter or your wife or your mother or your grandma is in there. I had to speak up about that to Target, okay? It didn't do no good. But, you know, it made me feel like I was at least speaking up, Okay? Look here. And you know what? Many who identify as Christians keep their mouths shut and their heads in the sand and simply say, this is just the way things are today. This is just where we're at as a society. You know, a transgender, you know, or a male identifying as a female, they have just as much right to use that bathroom, you know, as my wife does or as my daughter does. This is East Texas. I can say hogwash to that. Hogwash to that. Look, church, walls of society, this society, are broken down all around us. And because many who identify as Christian, many who identify as Christian, are not spending time in separation and isolation before God. Therefore, they don't see the problem. They don't see the problem in society. Wake up, church. Wake up. Our society is in rumble. It's in rubble. And and the gates are burned. The walls are down. And the church has got to speak up. The church has got to identify that there's a problem. You know, the walls of society are in ruin. And there's very few who are willing to take a stand and offer themselves to be used of God. It's a whole lot easier just to stay home and watch Gunsmoke. A whole lot easier just to stay on our phone. A whole lot easier just to keep our nose out of it. Look, what is, what is it going to take before our eyes are open and we're willing to identify the problems that are around us? What's it going to take? What is it going to take? Look, must things like teen pregnancy or teen suicide, which is pretty prevalent here in Lufkin, or divorce or abortion or drug overdose, is it going to have to hit home before we take notice? Is it going to have to hit home before we say yes, there is a problem when there was a problem all along but we were keeping our head in the sand and our eyes shut to it. Listen, we can't allow it to hit home before we realize. That there's a problem. Look, there's three types of people in this world. And the sad thing about it is all three of these types of people are found within the church who call themselves Christians. Now, that first group is those who don't know what's happening. <laughs> They're just oblivious to the fact of what is going on in our society, what is going on in the church, what is going on, you know, wherever it might be. They're oblivious to it. This type of person has no idea as the walls of society are tore down and the gates are burned. They have no idea because they keep their head in the sand and they don't have to see what's going on in hopes that they won't be held accountable to do something about it. You know, that old saying, out of sight, out of mind. In other words, if I just close my eyes to it, you know, I don't have to take responsibility for doing something about it. Therefore, I'm not going to look around. I'm not going to see. I'm not going to even know there's rubble around me. And they're tripping all through it in life. Now, the second group of people is those who are watching what's going on. They're watching what's going on. Okay? Now, this type of person knows what's happening, and they keep up with what's happening, but their attitude is, surely someone will step up. Okay? Someone will step up and do something about it. I'll just sit here and I'll pray God would send someone. Well, why don't you pray God would send you? Huh? Why don't you pray God would send you instead of someone? Remember Nehemiah, when word come to him, did he say, God, let me pray that God would send somebody who's already over in that part of the country so I don't have to travel 1,000 miles to get there. No. He went to God and offered himself. When was the last time you offered yourself to help rebuild walls, whether they're in a church, whether they're in your family, whether they're they're in, in society, no matter where it might be? Maybe your Sunday school class, maybe, you know, whatever it might be. When was the last time? And the third group of people is this, those who make things happen. That's what Nehemiah was. He was the type of person who made things happen because of the burden God placed upon him. This person, you know, he keeps up with what's going on around them. They're watching what's going on around them. They're spending time with God and they're seeking God. How they can be used of him to help rebuild what is torn down. I don't know about you, but I want to be that third type of person. I want to be that third type of person that I'm willing to make myself available to God for whatever is torn down around me, that God can use me in some way, some form, some fashion to rebuild that to something useful. Such was the case with Nehemiah. The Jews had been walking in those ruins for years, but no one took the initiative to do anything about it until this outsider come in. The next thing here. What is it going to take for the church to be shaken about the burned walls and the ruins about us? What's it going to take? You know, is it going to take the government beginning to mandate how many times a month we can meet as a church? Is it going to take the government mandating that you can only meet on Sunday mornings? And you say, well, you're being kind of ridiculous now, Brother Gene. No, I am not. No, I am not. Look, we have an administration in Washington, D.C. now that would love nothing better than to begin to dictate what the church can and cannot do. Our nation is being run by socialist, liberal Democrats who, who could care less about God. In fact, if you'll remember a few years ago, they wanted to take God completely out of their platform and voted to do so. So look here. I don't put nothing past our government. What's it going to take for the church to be woke up and shaken about society and the way it is about us? True leaders identify the problem, and they take action to correct it, not stick their heads in the sand to avoid it. Next, Nehemiah said, now don't miss this, we've got to do something. He, did, he didn't say you have to go do it, He said, we have got to do something about it, not you've got to do something about it. Look, a true leader is right there in the thick of things, not on the sidelines observing. A true leader is out front leading, not in the rear just giving directions and pushing others to do so. Listen, only one thing qualifies us, for leadership. And we see that in verse 18 because Nehemiah said, and I told them of the hand of God which is upon me. Listen, if the hand of God is upon you, you can be a good leader. You will be a good leader because that's going to want you to spend time with God. That's going to want you to spend time in isolation and separation and seeking God for, you know, what you can do for his kingdom. Look, those whom God calls, he equips. And if God calls you in a leadership role, He is going to qualify you. He is going to equip you. He is going to give you everything you need to be that good leader. But you've got to spend time with God. Sometimes you've got to th- turn off the TV, turn off the phone, unplug the Internet, and spend time with God. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to be successful at anything you attempt to do. Nehemiah was qualified because he was concerned first and foremost about the glory of God. The third thing we see here is confrontation. (laughs) Now, this is something a lot of people can't handle. And, you know, I don't know how to say this without coming across wrong, but confrontation is something that's never bothered me. (laughs) You know, you want to confront me, be controversial with me, that's, that's, that's your privilege. But let's look and see what happened here. Verse 19, but when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Amorite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, okay, in other words, they heard what was fixing to take place. They heard Nehemiah had traveled this thousand mile to come here, and they was going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They was going to redo those gates. These guys began to laugh. They began to mock. Because why? They saw the rubble. They saw the ruin. They knew it was an impossible task to do. And he said, And they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I unto them and said, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants We will arise and we will build. Nehemiah was clear about that, folks. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Wow. He was pretty bold, wasn't he? Look, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem immediately began to obstruct the work of God. Now, this is important. Okay, this is important. The moment we stand and we say, let's arise and build. Let's fix these ruins. Let's rebuild these ruins. Let's go in and and, and get things like they used to be. Once we say, arise and let's build, the devil and his crowd will yell, let's arise and begin to blast those people. Look, the thing a leader must understand is that there is always, always Always going to be opposition when God is directing us to carry out a task that others think is crazy or that others view as impossible. You know, in 2009, when we voted to build this new sanctuary that we're in, which we've been in since 2010, there were some that said, You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. And y'all will never get that building paid off. You'll never. But we had people who spent time with God in isolation and separation. And once God had given the direction, folks, we went for it. Even though we had these sand ballots, even though we had these Tobiases telling us how crazy we were, it would never work, you'll never get the building paid off, the bank's going to wind up, uh, you know, repossessing the building. And yes, we had all that. Why? Because we spent time with God, God gave direction, we went for it, and you're always going to have your obstructionist when you're in a leadership position. Yes, we had ballots. we had Tobias's whispering how crazy we were, but we understood that they were only tools of Satan that he was using to discourage us and take our focus off of what God had in store for us. After 12 years in this building, is the building paid off? No, you know, but God has never allowed us to miss a payment. Look, would we like to see this building paid off in a timely manner? You bet we would. But we also understand this. God is in control. God is in control, and it will be paid off in his time, in his time. Now, we must understand there's two types of people in the world. First of all, there are obstructionists, okay, an obstructionist. You know, those are those who are always obstructing the work of God. They're always going to look for ways to obstruct, you know, God's will and God's way and God's purpose. Always willing to criticize, but they're never willing to help. Okay, never willing to help. Then there are constructionists. Those are the ones who, who are they're never critical about the work of God, but they're always willing to help and make the sacrifices needed to see that the work of God is done. And that's what Nehemiah had with him. That's what Nehemiah had with him. Those are the ones that you must surround yourself with and you must uh, ignore the obstructionist. Look here, when, when, I, when I sense somebody is an obstructionist, I tune them out. Go ahead and say what you want to say all day long, but my ears are closed to you because I understand Satan is simply using you to bring discouragement from the work of God, from the work of God. Look, in a position of leadership, you will face and balance throughout your life. And the question is, will you be able to stand and continue with God's will and purpose? Look, if you determine to do anything for God, others are going to oppose you. But leaders are willing to take that flag. Leaders are willing to take the flag. Let me close with this. Leadership is never easy. And again, we're not talking about leadership as a pastor. We're talking about any position of leadership. Again, this includes parents. This includes grandparents. This includes, you know, deacons and Sunday school teachers and Sunday, you know, children's workers and anybody in any type of lead, even on your job. If you're a leader on your job, these same things are going to happen to you, okay? You're going to always have those obstructionists even on your job in school, wherever it might be. But whether it's a role of leadership in the home, in school, the workplace, the church, you must find time to be isolated with God. And during that time of isolation, let God help you identify the problem and look for confrontations to come about. You'll have sand ballots enter your life, but you must continue with the assignment that God has given you. So what about you this morning? What about you? Do you isolate yourself on a regular basis? Now, let's get serious just for a moment. I'm talking to Christians here. If you're here this morning and you had not been saved yet, you don't even know what I'm talking about, about isolation yourself with God. But child of God, Christian, is there a time, whether it's once a day, once a week, or whatever, that you isolate yourself with God. And and, and again, you know, turn off the phone, turn off the TV, unplug the Internet, and spend that time with God. Isolate yourself with God. Make you a time, and again, whether it's once a week or whatever it might be, you have to isolate yourself with God. Do you do that on a regular basis? Do you inspect the ruins that may be in your life? Do you inspect the ruins that may be in society? Do you inspect the ruins that may be in the church? Whatever it might be. And identify those problems. Look, are you able to combat the sand ballots in your life? Maybe some of you here have a sand in your life. It may be a family member, you know, you never know. It may be a, a, you know, a co-worker. But they're a sand ballot. Every time you, you know, think you're doing good or think you're doing something for the Lord, boy, they just throw an ice water on it. You're going to have that, but you've got to trust God. So, child of God, I want you to examine this. Here's the price of leadership. Isolation, identification, confrontation. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. This may sound, you may say, well, Boy, if it involves all that, being a Christian, I don't want no part of that. Well, that's only for a short period of time. There's an eternity we got to think about. There's an eternity we got to think about. So if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment. When people stand to begin to sing, I, I would invite you to come. Let, let, let us tell you what it means to be saved. Let us tell you how to accept Jesus Christ, what the Bible says if we'll just confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raising from the dead. We will be saved. We will be saved. You say, is it that easy, Pastor? Yes, it's that easy. Well, you don't have to jump through no hoops. It's that easy. So we'd invite you to come here in just a moment. Let's pray.